on the plane as the last person on, took my seat, and oh, on, awesome. on my way, like Air Force One. <laughs> um, which, which, which gets me to a serious topic, which is why I, I've never understood why first class boards first. Why would you want to be on the plane longer? It's probably so that you're on the plane before you're dealing with the craziness of having more people get on the plane. But because first class is sectioned off, it's not as though anybody's going to take your overhead compartment no, space. No, exactly. And, um, but it's, I think it's also to give them a chance. It, it gives the airline a chance to get you on the plane and get you a drink before the plane takes off. I Okay, here's, here's what I propose then. And if I were the person in charge of deciding such things, here's what I would do. You have a cordon when, off... When you're the airline czar of the United States. Yeah, when I'm the airline czar um, under President Sass, I, <laughs> I, would, I would have a cordoned off area uh, right next to the gate in which only first-class passengers can sit while they're waiting for the flight. Okay. Uh, and I'm sure that there is something about the regulatory state of things that prevents this from happening now, but I, I would change it because I'm, I'm bizarre. Uh, I would change it such that you could serve them a drink when they arrived in the cordoned off area. Before they board before the flight. The, before they board the flight. And, and then they sit there and wait and watch all of the tired, hurried, <laughs> uh, basic economy zone 19, uh, zone 28, uh, passengers get on the plane and like yell at the, at the poor lady working at the desk and all of that. And then after everybody else is boarded, then the first class passengers go get on and get in their seats. And then as soon as they're in their seats, the boarding door closes and you're off on your way. Interesting. Okay. And I don't, I don't fly first class all that often, but that's, that's how I would want it. So you want, you want the drink before you get on the plane? Yeah, yeah. Well, first of and all, I don't, I don't, I usually don't take the drink. Even when I do fly first class, I, I, I hardly ever take the drink. Like it just, I, what? I, I just don't, I don't know. I, it's not, I, I like it when I'm midair. Um, but I but don't. You, it doesn't have to be alcoholic. It can be anything. I'll drink, I drink the water. I mean, I drink a little. Bottle wow, we're being life on the edge. But I just don't. I I'm also like I've kind of turned into an aisle seat guy, and and that gets to the other problem, which is that if you're sitting in the aisle while 80 people trot past you, the chances of something getting knocked over, or just like I, I don't know, it's just kind of a gross. I, I just don't, I don't like the experience. Um, okay. And it, and I don't want to be consuming things. I I'm with you though. I'm I'm an aisle seat guy. Uh, unless I'm sitting in, unless I get upgraded to first class and I'm flying west, uh, flying east from the west coast to the east coast, because there is nothing more beautiful than a cross country flight where you see the entire country out your window. The other thing where I, the other time where I would, uh, um, choose that is if you're flying, I guess it would be east to west around the time of sunset. Okay. Uh, because I think the the extended sunset is really cool. Yes. I don't know why that 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 really like that triggers some sort of pleasure center in me. Um, makes me feel like I'm dominating nature in a very like, <laughs> primal way. Like I I like <laughs> you can't beat me, son. <laughs> I'll run you down. You'll <laughs> you'll set when I tell you you can set. Oh. Uh, 
That's such a that's such a Bartlett thing. Does he actually, actually Bartlett there, does actually do well, that? Well, because there's that episode yeah. where, he, where they're on. <clears throat> they take the night flight. I just watched that episode the other night where they take the night flight to Portland. Oregon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the the joke is that they're taking a later flight because Bartlett likes to fly at night. Yeah. But it turns out he actually just had a budget meeting that they thought was going to run late. <laughs> But they're sitting there and they're talking about a, cha- a change in policy to education and it, they're waxing poetically about how being high above the, 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 the land and looking out at the land and the earth below you is inspiring and we need to uplift people. And yeah, I, I've, I've felt that. And then, and then you turn back to the inside of the plane and you know, you're reminded that you're in a, you're in a flying school bus. <laughs> But it's out the out the window is majestic. That's right, and that's all that matters. That's all that matters. All right, what's the most millennial thing you did this week? The most millennial thing that I did this week. Um, well, actually, I've got two. So the the first was we were in Costa Rica, uh, and we went one day to uh, El, Nasi- uh, El Parque Nacional uh, El Rincón de Vieja, which is a national park in Costa Rica, it's uh, around a volcano. And you hike, call it three or four miles into the, you know, into the, into the woods. And there's this, this beautiful uh, waterfall, uh, a catarata as, as it were. Um, and we stood there for 30, 35 minutes taking selfies, asking people to take pictures of us. We probably took I don't know, 50, 60, 75 pictures. Good God. Um, just so that we could find one that we both approved of that we could post on Instagram. That's, that is, wow. I, yeah, I can't, I can't come close to that. <laughs> wow. And then, and then once we came back, we were debating about, you know, how much, how much lighting do we change? How much structure do we put in? It was a, it was a whole debate about, what uh you know you got to do it for the gram and we did it for the gram so i would say that was one millennial thing that i've done this week and the second um there's no way you can beat that i this probably won't beat it uh but it's worth mentioning that the last time that i shaved was right before i came to see you for lunch in new york so So i now have a book a month and a, a month and two days. I have a beard now. That's and I've never grown a beard before, and I feel like this is an important. Um, I know our generation is often talked about as being one that likes facial hair, and I'm finally doing my part to uh, to is be that, a part of that. I, I would like to see statistics on whether we like facial hair in our in our twenties and thirties any more than. Than, than any other generation does. Well, I, I think it's just like the the avatar that's used to describe the millennial is like the hipster bartender in Brooklyn. Right, right, right. And he has a beard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I don't. So I'm not good. I'm not ordering a drink from him if he doesn't have a beard. Why would you? Exactly. You, you might, might as, as well just go to Applebee's. You might. You might as well go to Omaha. <laughs> good. I I don't even want to go now. Yeah, that's, that's so. You've got to get better millennial chops, my friend. We have a podcast now. 
I, I, the other piece of we were we were discussing earlier uh, feedback that we'd received about the show, and one piece of feedback that I got personally not not aimed at the show but aimed at me was like you're a really bad millennial yeah you to be are. doing to be doing a podcast about about millennialism um, you are the foil of the podcast i am the foil of the i'm the passionate millennial and you're right. just i don't know no i'm 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 a cantankerous like old man i don't tell dad jokes yet. <laughs> uh, i'm also not a dad yet so you know we'll see how that happens um no, I, I'm like a cantankerous old man. I, I live yeah. like way in the outer suburbs and very pissy about like going into the city and having to interact with people. Um, I, do, I don't eat lunch though, so I've got this. That. This is a, a good time to request uh, for any of our listeners. If anybody would like to be a co-host on a podcast <laughs> called <Animal laughs> Apologetics, uh, that can actually live up to the the standard set for passionate millennial apologists, uh, please reach out at millennialapologetics at gmail.com. Or you can just you have an opening. You can, you can just talk to JJ directly too. I don't, <laughs> need to, I don't need to be privy to that. I also don't like email. So, you know, that's another non-millennial. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. So, so uh, I did do at least one millennial thing since, not, not this week's, but since the last uh, recording, which is that, I received and put into use a kneeling desk chair, and, and I'm, whoa, 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 a kneeling yeah, desk yeah. chair. So I have I have a standing desk at work. I don't have a standing desk at home. Okay, uh, but I remote quite often, and so and so uh, my fiance, who is a physical therapist, got me a kneeling desk chair. What does that even look? I'm I'm googling that now. What does that even look like? It's like it's so so. There are two... like a Bosu ball. No, 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 no. It's like there are two there are two platforms, and one is just the seat, and then there's another one for your, uh, I guess, your shins, and and oh, one for your shins is set at like sort of a, I guess they're set at a ninety degree angle to each other, and each of them is at a forty five degree angle to the to the ground. Wow. So maybe it's not maybe that's not even a millennial thing. Uh, I just think of like uh, uh, caring about ergonomics and posture and all of that as being very millennial. No, that definitely is is millennial. I'm looking if you do a Google image search of kneeling desk chair, uh, all the people sitting in them are or kneeling in them are millennials. Are millennials? Well, that okay. So, well, that, that doesn't necessarily make it a millennial thing though, because one one very non millennial thing is trying to appeal to millennials. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. So maybe maybe you really have no standing of hosting this podcast. No, I I don't think I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there, and then, okay. The, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you have prepared for this one, but I also want to ask you, what's the least millennial thing or the most, the most anti-millennial thing that you did since the last recording? Uh, and if you don't have something locked and loaded, I do. <laughs> I, I will, I will uh, yield the floor then to the okay. gentleman from Montana. Okay. Well, okay. So this is, this is, I guess I'm not doing a good job on, on either of these. This is not actually something that I did. Okay, um, but my my law firm, which will remain nameless uh, <laughs> thus far, uh, changed logos, um, and the new logo makes our otherwise very respectable, very you know, sort of like we're serious blue chip lawyers, and you should take us seriously, and it makes our website and all of our signage look like some like hipster Silicon Valley startup. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it does. 
Yeah, are you looking at it right now? Yes, it does. And it's I'm horrible. looking at it right now. Yes, it does. It's horrible. The the color the color is like it's like Miami Dolphins vomit. Um, okay, well, stand down. The, the, Miami <laughs> is Miami is a wonderful, wonderful place. That's, as I, is that color? I I don't I don't disagree with that. But I that imagine that color on on the on the backgrounds like on your desktop screen for like 14 hours a day because that's that's I'd have to be working in Miami I think for for that color to make sense yes and I don't work in Miami um and it's clearly an attempt to appeal to millennials Mm. um and it just falls flat on its face now the thing is I I I really just I'm really just using this segment as an excuse to complain about this because it's been bothering me all week but the, the thing is no one in the I, I, we will not get a single new client because of the new friggin' logo. We just won't. No one, no one cares about that in this industry. We just don't. And 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 for people who are like for millennial associates, so so the, so for a law firm, the two things that you're always trying to do with your marketing are attract clients and attract associates because those are the two. Your your associates are are in large part your product, and then the clients are your your clients, the people who are sure. paying for the product, and so. Uh, I know that the clients just don't care about this. And then, and, and then as for like, you know, high functioning, uh, high achieving millennial uh, attorneys, I can't imagine anybody looking at this and thinking like, oh man, I want to work at that firm more because of this stupid new logo. Anyway. Yeah, but the logo makes it seem like you guys have foosball tables in your break room. We don't. We don't. Yeah, but you don't know that until you get there. That's the point. <laughs> Right, we we do. I think clearly, actually, clearly the firm is playing the long game. Yeah, right? yeah. You get the people in. They right. think there's foosball. They think there's like you know craft beer Fridays and stuff like that. Yeah, and then they come in. It's like ah uh, no, you actually just work at a boring law firm. <laughs> it's because not because you're a lawyer and that's boring. Right, and, and yeah, that's right. Um, we do. I think we do have a ping pong room in <laughs> our courthouse, or, or we have we have a room with a ping pong table in it. Oh, glorious! Uh, but I would just be. I, I, my mind would be boggled if uh, if anybody actually used it, um, <laughs> and, and surely you yeah. Would but not now be... they will because of the logo, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's, maybe it's about it's about the culture. It's about changing the culture, and the culture starts with the logo, and then it goes to the foosball tables. That's right. That's right. Uh, and then before you know it, uh, we are attracting new clients who are all Silicon Valley startups. Um, <laughs> Okay, so JJ, uh, how is 2019 turning out? Like it's in, great. in in your life, like is it coming out? Is it coming out pro JJ? It 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 feels as though the momentum is is going in a pro JJ direction, uh, which is nice, um, and it helps that I spent the last five days in Costa Rica, so that. I feel refreshed. I feel reset. I feel ready to to tackle 2019. How Just, about yourself? Uh, d- well, first of all, I'll note that that's despite your having to fight Customs and Border Patrol uh, on your way back into Newark because of the government shutdown. <laughs> yeah, we um, we got held up um, because there were you know something like two or three. Uh, CBP agents at customs at Newark International and uh and we got we our flight landed a little bit early and so we were feeling really good. We thought we'll breeze through customs, we'll be back home in time and we can, you know, eat dinner and it, it will be a reasonable time that we're that we're home and it took us something like 2 hours to start to finish to get through 
to get through customs. Is so that, thank you. To- is there any other way in which the government shutdown has affected your life directly? I mean, um, that, that is probably the that is probably the key the key way that it has affected my life so far. I mean, you can make the case that food isn't necessarily being uh, uh, monitored the same way by the FDA, et cetera. But I think the, the border crossing was definitely number one. Yeah. I just, I just mean like directly because that's the, yeah, that's the, so, so it, it is affecting things around here, not necessarily negatively. Like the most, really the biggest effect that it's had on me so far is that the traffic is, just a breeze. Um, I, I drove to work on Tuesday and I think it took me 29 minutes door to door at a time of day that would typically take like an hour. Um, I am, I am closing in on the check ride for my private pilot's license and I can do the check ride because the guy, the FAA, uh, guy who does the ride along uh, doesn't work directly for the FAA. FAA. He's paid on a contract basis, so it doesn't really matter to him. Um, but then once I'm done with that, I they're not processing applications at all, um, and, and which is also a problem. Like if I had so like your student pilot right. license is not is I think it's only like 180 days long. So if I were closing in on the end of that 180 day period, I would be grounded uh, from that point forward. And then once they start up again then obviously like they're going to be they're going to be slow um and in the meantime air traffic control is not getting paid right now uh correct which, which it just boggles my mind that that is among the 25% of services that we deem non-essential such that such that they still have to show up to work and they don't get paid because i like i i i fly frequently i i fly a plane frequently and and those guys are busy as all hell, and I do not want them mad. <laughs> and I don't. I don't want them thinking about anything except for preventing me from hitting another aircraft. You know. I and anyway, uh, just ludicrous. The whole thing is the whole thing is nuts. Um, but but I I ask because I kind of suspect that this thing is going to drag on because Trump's just not going to not going to cave. And and the reason for that politically. And I'm and I'm not just to get this out there because this is the first time that either of us has commented directly on Donald Trump. I am not a uh, five dimensional underwater chess maga 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 uh, Trumpster. <laughs> I I think that most of what he does he just <laughs> does because his gut tells him to do it. But the political calculus that would rationalize his attitude toward the shutdown is that the his his core cadre of supporters. Uh, don't care about the shutdown with with the exceptions right. of like of like farmers loans and stuff um some of which are still being processed by the way um but but as for as as for his his prototypical voter uh probably doesn't fly that much uh surely doesn't doesn't herself work for the federal government um and and probably just doesn't really feel uh all too bad that you know uh all of the all of the EPA uh, whatever other alphabet soup bureaucrats are are furloughed, um, especially given that they're just going to get a big fat paycheck when they when they come back. So um, my prediction for whatever it's well, worth yeah, is I mean, one of, drag on. One of the most frustrating things that I hear during government shutdowns, which you know have become, we should do an entire episode on government shutdowns. I feel like our generation has a particular. Uh, we're just growing up in a time where well, we are we are the we're the first generation raised in the shutdown era. 
Yeah, it did. No, really. No, no, no. I'm not kidding. The first one happened in '94, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so we are we go. are the shutdown generation. Um, so maybe that's that'll be episode episode four. But uh, one of the things that frustrates me the most about shutdowns is when people make the flippant comment of, "Well, look, you know, the government shut down, and and it doesn't affect my life at all. So maybe it's proof that uh, we don't actually need all these things." And and it's it's reminders like going through an airport on yeah. an international trip yeah. that you forget how for right or wrong. And I'm sure you and I have maybe different philosophical beliefs on this. The government is integrated into integrated in a lot of the parts of life that we take for granted. And you can like that or you can not like that, but it's an undeniable truth. Yeah, I I, I think that's right. And I think the. Yeah, it'll build up over time. It's like I, 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 I've had the same reaction. I, I'm not glib about it, and I don't speak publicly about it because I don't think it's okay to to make light of people being furloughed. Um, and, and like yeah. it or not, the federal government employs a huge number of people, and so even 25 percent exactly. of them being being you know deprived of paychecks is a bad thing economically and a bad thing morally. Um, I my my initial reaction is at least at least instinctually is is kind of the thing that you just spoke out against it's like well we're fine and 25 percent of the government is gone so why the hell do we need 25 percent of, of the government but then it's like okay what if you have to apply for a passport right now right <laughs> and and what if and then it's like i i fly so i do interact with the faa i interact with the federal government every time i go up um and then it, and then it's the tsa um and then it is you know it, whatever else and then and then Obviously, you know, most of the federal government's infrastructure that's that's affected by this is is meant to affect change long term. Uh, it takes time to write rules and regulations. It takes time to adjudicate things at the SEC. It takes time to approve applications for mergers and all of that. And so all of the sort of core functions of the federal government are things that we could do without for a week or two, but we couldn't do without for like a year. Um, right. and, the, and the only thing I will say to to salvage my conservative credentials is that I think a lot of that attitude arises from the fact that most people's interactions with the government uh, are overwhelmingly negative. Um, yeah. The post office sucks um, and the DMV sucks even more. And yeah, the, and, and the, the one with the one exception of the FAA actually is really like good to deal with and, and air traffic controllers are, are a joy. Um, even even when they're curt, they're they're you know they're very good at what they do. But but it's like like with the TSA thing, it's like I I've seen a lot of uh, activity on Twitter. Like oh, I feel so bad for all these TSA agents. And it's like, does it ever enter into your calculus that when you're not feeling bad for them, they're just like ruining your life and doing their jobs <laughs> really poorly? Like they fail. Their fail rate is like what ninety four percent on picking up uh, you know like mock bombs and all of that. And 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 so. I, I'm sympathetic to like, yeah, I don't feel too bad for 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 all of that. But at the same time, it's like these people are providing for families, and you know we don't need to be glib about about their being deprived of a paycheck. Um, the real yeah, and and they are they are I I understand your criticism. They are providing a, a vital service that yeah, and we can debate about their efficacy in providing that service. But they are providing a vital service, and that's and that's my that that's where I come down on it fundamentally is that. Uh, maybe it's a vehicle to criticize the size and effectiveness of the federal government, but it's not a very good vehicle. 
it's not, yeah, it's, it's that's just, an entirely different discussion. Yeah, it is, and it's a discussion yeah. that we should have once the government is is open, um, and uh, you know the people who are like the Capitol police who actively guard me and my office on a day to day basis are are being paid. Um, exactly. So so there you go. Um, to to answer your question, my I, I don't think 2019 is coming out pro pro Eric. Um, I I have. I'm trying to lose weight for my wedding, which is in June, and I've I've yeah. I've gained and lost weight like like a dozen times over the years. Um, I've I've always had problems executing, but I've never until now had a problem motivating. And I don't know what it is this time around, but I just can't I just can't do it. I just can't. Okay. Um. So so 2019 is coming in like very lethargic and and. Uh, Oh. Well, then I think there there will be another millennial apologetics podcast on fitness, and uh, oh, and I'm happy God. to read that. Oh, yes, of, of course he will. I, I <laughs> joking aside, that's fitness, baby. Yeah, that's yeah. We we have we have talked about uh, we have talked about like JJ and I each know enough to enough to comment intelligently on on a few different things, but there's not overlap between between the things that we know, and so. Uh, it might be interesting for you know for one of us to interview the other about the things that we do know about. So for you, that would be uh, foreign policy, finance, and physical fitness to keep the uh, and football and football. Dude, that's that's all yeah. F's. That's good. Hmm. <laughs> and then I'm not going to say what it is for me because if I do, I'll I'll, I'll draw criticism from from my my co-host. It's uh, it's it's just this isn't an architecture podcast. We have three listeners. We don't know.